Welcome to the podcast of the preaching ministry of LifePoint Church, led by Pastor Lane Harrison. We pray this ministry is a blessing for your life. For more information about LifePoint, please visit lifepointozark.com. For more information and resources from Pastor Lane, please visit mlaneharrison.com. All right, I want to introduce Darren Casper to you today. Darren, would you come up and join me here? Darren is a dear friend, a brother, uh, a mentor. Darren uh, resides in the St. Louis area. He is the Associate Executive Director of the St. Louis Metro Baptist Association. Uh, before becoming uh, the Associate Director, he's planted two years. Uh, he's planted two years. He's planted two churches in the St. Louis Metro Association and in his tenure as the Associate Executive Director has uh, helped to be a guide, coach, shepherd, mentor, and friend to numerous pastors uh, in that area as he's helped to plant many more churches. is now serving as an interim pastor at a young church plant, helping them to transition into that time. He is the founder of Plant Midwest, a seven-state regional network of church planting, and he's been a dear friend to us as a church, to me as a friend, and uh, I'm thankful mm-hmm. that he's here today, and uh, I appreciate him being willing to come and to minister to us at this time. I want to introduce Kelly, his wife. She is a principal in uh, St. Louis. I don't remember the name of the school, but uh, one of the schools there in St. Louis as well. Kelly, welcome to LifePoint. Thank you so much for coming with him. Yeah. Darren, would you share? Thanks, brother. Thank you so much. Man, what a, uh, it really is. Um, Kelly and I are actually, we're celebrating 28 years of marriage this weekend. And what a great place to be, though, you know? Yeah, thank you very much. Um, She's a, she's a strong, godly woman to make it with me for 28 years. So, but we've had a great time this weekend. We've just kind of came down early. And, but it's really an honor, and, and I'm very thankful that Lane would trust me to allow me to come and to be a part of such a great church and a great, and great service. I, I want to thank all the, the worship team, the worship leaders, uh, especially you guys who are volunteering and you come early and you, to rehearse and do everything that you do. The worship is fantastic. And I just applaud you and thank you for all of the volunteers in the back, up here on the stage, children's workers, all those folks who make church work. So as Lane mentioned, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, and if you don't have your Bible open, I invite you to turn there, Luke chapter 2 and verse 22. As we continue in this series, I think that you've been in on the series of Advent talking about the King's coming and talking about what Jesus brings. And today we are specifically talking about the peace, the peace of God that Jesus brings, There are countless times in Scripture when Jesus is referred to as the Lord of Peace or the Prince of Peace. 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 16 says, Now may the Lord of Peace give you peace at all times in every way. And that's encouraging. May the Lord of Peace give you peace, us peace, at all times and in every way. The peace of God. Aren't you grateful that there have been those times in your life when you have received that that peace of God that is just beyond human understanding? When you just, you can't imagine how you would get through the situation that you got through. And you've heard testimonies of people who have said things like this. It was the peace of God that helped you to make it through. But even as I say that, though, there there is a massive problem before us. 
And that is that there are countless numbers of people around us today, maybe even in here, some even in this room this morning, who are questioning God. And in your heart of hearts, you're questioning, saying, if Jesus' coming was to bring peace on earth, and I'm on the earth, then why don't I have peace? They, they, we, we sing about it, we talk about it at Christmas. The peace of God, peace on earth, goodwill to men. We, we sing, we hear talks about it. But yet there are people around us, and again, maybe even here, that are saying, if Jesus came to bring peace on earth, and I'm here on the earth, then why don't I have peace inside of me? This morning, we look at the one who came to bring us peace, of course, Jesus, and we look at him through the eyes of a man named Simeon. And so, in honor of God's word, let's stand together as we read the text, Luke chapter 2 and verse 22. We're going to read this passage, and then we'll pray, and then we're going to talk about what it means. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law... He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to his said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Father, thank you for this, this blessed time and freedom that we experience, God, to come together and study the word together this morning. Thank you, God, for the church. Thank you for the Christ who has come and is coming again. And we pray now, Holy Spirit, uh, give us ears to hear as you speak into us this morning. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. The wonderful thing about the celebration of Advent is that it focuses our heart and our attention to a, to a story far greater than sentimental holiday inclinations. It focuses our heart and our, and our, our minds to a story that is far greater than merely the, the emphasis of gift giving and decoration. Advent for the Christian is the celebrated reminder to us that God had a plan. Advent is the celebrated reminder to us that God has a plan. Before we can talk about God's plan for peace, we have to understand the human condition. 
Because anytime there is a plan, it's because uh, there is an issue. Someone has a plan for something because there is a a situation, there is a, a problem that requires a solution, a situation that requires a plan. In this case, God looks down from heaven and upon the earth, and the problem that he sees is that all of creation is broken. It has become infected by sin, particularly of those made in his own very image, humankind. They are broken, their minds darkened, depraved hearts, always inclined to rebel against the one who has made them. And because of this darkened mind of man and this depraved heart always inclined toward rebellion and sin, those whom he has made are actually, uh, according to the book of James, in a situation uh, that is much worse than really could be imagined. James says that man is actually at war with God, all of mankind. And so, yes, there is a problem that required a plan. At war with God, the complete antithesis of peace. And we may think that we have solutions for our problems, but they are really powerless to address our core issue. Mankind in its desperate attempt to find peace in his heart or her heart. You know, I was thinking about that this morning as you know, Kelly and I were in Branson over the weekend. We love to come down here at Christmas. It is, it is an amazing place. I mean, I think it's really unique, not only in this part of the country, but maybe in, throughout the world. The number of people that come here, that go down to the park and see the lights, and, and they try desperately to create feelings within their heart and in their emotion and in their soul within them to try to find peace. Many of them, of course, know the Lord, but a lot of them don't. And so mankind is desperate to try to find something to hold on to, something to bring them peace. And for some, it's if if I just made a little bit more money, if we could just get out of debt as a family, you know, if I had better friends, if, I, if my family wasn't so jacked up and messed up, and everybody's family's jacked up and messed up, you know, we know that. If my husband, if my wife, if my kids, you know, if my wife, whatever, on and on it goes. In Jeremiah chapter 6, the, it speaks of the prophets and the priests of that day. It says, they dress the wounds of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Friends, our our wounds are serious, and our situation is far, um, the depth of human depravity is far greater than I think most of us realize and understand. The human condition, mankind is not all right, at war with God. We look around and we see there are serious issues. These are serious times. So Advent for the Christian is a celebrated reminder to us of a, star, of a story that's far greater than just sentimental, emotional words and songs and celebrations. But it is a celebrated reminder to us that God had a plan. And it was a plan that was set forth from the very beginning of time. Before the foundation of the world existed, before God had written the book of life of the Lamb who was slain, the plan of God had been enacted. Advent reminds us that God had a plan, 
And you know, while you and I may not be at the very center of that plan, praise be to God, we are certainly included in that plan. And you need to be encouraged of that this morning. You are included in God's plan for peace. Advent is not only the reminder that God had a plan, it is a reminder of the generation of the saints before us who longingly looked forward to the coming of a Messiah. And that's what we're seeing here in Luke chapter 2. Jesus has been born. The long-awaited Messiah has come. Joseph and Mary had obeyed the law. They had taken him for circumcision. They brought him to Jerusalem to offer sacrifice and dedicate him to the Lord. And then walks into the story someone who was part of that faithful Jewish remnant that had longingly awaited their coming Messiah. His name is Simeon. And church history tells us that believes that he was probably an older man at this time. And Luke writes down for us what the old man said and what the old man saw when he sees Jesus. What it was, it was prophecy. And it was praise. It was a song. Bible scholars tell tell us that this was the fifth and the last of the Christmas songs in Luke. When he sees Jesus, he just knows if you'll notice in your Bible, um, there, are, there are three different times that it says something about the Holy Spirit's work and activity involved in Simeon's life. In verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Um, he came in the Spirit into the temple. Um, the Spirit of God was so at work in, in Simeon's life. When he sees Jesus, he just knows. He, he knows that this is him. This is the one that he has waited for, that they have longed for. This is God's plan. And waiting um, can be a good thing. Advent gives us the opportunity to be reminded of the long-awaited coming of the Messiah, promised thousands of years before his arrival in Jerusalem. And as Simeon holds this baby in his arms, this was fulfilled expectation, this was hope realized, and the old man breaks out into this spirit-led, spirit-anointed, spirit-driven praise and song and prophecy. It was a song of three different kinds. Let me give those to you. First of all, it is a song of worship. When he sees Jesus, it is a song of worship that breaks forth in his heart. Now, this is key to your peace. What we see, the way that we see Simeon reflect, and the way that we see Simeon behold Jesus, and his response to Jesus is key to you and I and our experience of peace way down deep in our being. It was a song of worship. He worshiped this joy, this hymn bursts out of his soul. He joyfully begins to praise God. He's saying, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. You, God, have kept your promise. You have sent the one who will be our rescuer. You have given me the privilege of seeing him now. And we see Simeon simply break out in praise. 
He is saying, God, this is who you are. God, this is what you have promised. God, this is what you have done. God, this is what you are doing. And so, life point, I would say that one of the, what we see here at this point is the incredible importance of, for you and for me and for the body of Christ in worship. In, far, in a lot of places in the houses of God, we so limit, we so limit and so um, be, we, we don't prioritize nearly as high as we should the role of personal um, in our closet, in our home, when we're, when we're by ourselves, and when we're together corporately, we don't prioritize nearly as high enough the role and the place of worship. And Simeon breaks out in a song and saying, God, this is who you are. This is what you've done. And God, this is what you're doing. Secondly, it is a song, it's a prophetic song of new life, of salvation. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation, the salvation for your church, for me. He says, now your servant can depart in peace. That word depart says something about the death of a Christian. It means to release a prisoner. It means to untie a ship and let it sail. It means to unyoke and to remove the beast of burden. Simeon is singing about salvation being released from the past, being able to enter into a new peace. Some of us here this morning, we need to be released from our past. We need to be released from the things that are holding us, the, the sin, the life, the junk that is holding us down. Now, you need to be released into new peace. You need to be released and be able to depart from the old and go into a new, into a new kind of peace that God has for you. That's what Christmas is all about. That's why Jesus has come, that man and woman might know peace. This is what Simeon is singing about. He's singing about salvation. The ability to not only to depart from the old and to be freed from the burdens of the old, but to enter into the new blessing of a new life and the new things that God has for him. It's a song of worship. It's a song of, of new life. It's also, thirdly, it is a song of Christian purpose. It is a song of Christian purpose. I wish I could find a way to, to, to describe and to talk about how important it is for everyone in this room to have a sense of Christian purpose. Lane mentioned the, the churches that we've been a part of back in St. Louis, and one of the churches is in South County, and we were there for 13, 14 years, and I, I, I really had, a, had the pleasure of getting to meet one of the leaders of the church um, this week for coffee, earlier this week, and we were talking about, you know, the, the, the days of planting the church and all, all the things that happened, and, and he was giving me an update on some of the people in the church, and he told me about two guys in the church, Paul and Bob, and both of those guys are now about 80. I mean, they have, they've been around the corner a few times, and he said, you know, both those guys, they're still doing the work at Love and Care. I said, you mean they're still picking up food? at the food banks in the city and delivering them to the food places throughout the city? He said, yes, Paul and Bob are still doing that 80 years old. It's a part of purpose for them. It's a part of mission. It's a part of why, why they do what they do as a Christian. It's not, they, they know it's not the joy is not just in receiving, getting, you know, from the church. They, they know that the joy in the life is about in giving. 
It's about embracing your Christian purpose. See, for Simeon, this was also a missionary hymn. And it is a little bit different for a devout Jew standing in the temple. Um, He sees Jesus and this worship song breaks out, this song of new life, the song of salvation. Um, But it's also not, he's seeing that it's not just about his salvation or the salvation of believing Jews, but it would be about the salvation going out to the Gentiles. Simeon is saying, as he's singing this song, he's saying, this is for all people. You see, then you guys know this, that there was the Jews and then there was everyone else. There was the Jews and then there was the Gentiles. And I thought, you know, we better be careful that we're not too hard on the Jews and their attitudes towards, you know, there being the Jew and then there being everyone else. Because in some parts of the world or in some parts of our country and in parts of our state, you know, it's the white folk and then there's everybody else. Right? Simeon is saying, this great salvation, this great coming Messiah, he is for all people, for everyone. He's singing a song of Christian purpose. This is, this is salvation. This is someone. This is a Messiah that has been prepared and prophesied about who is coming for all people. It is a reminder to us and to the reader that everyone matters. Everyone made in the image of God. Everyone deserving of human respect and dignity. And dignity. Everyone needs this Messiah, the one who has come to rescue man for his sin. God had a plan, and all are invited to take part in this plan. Now, finally, for the Christian, this Advent season not only reminds us that God had a plan and not only reminds us of how generations past longingly waited for their Savior and for the Messiah to come, but Advent also strengthens our resolve and our confidence in the purposeful remembrance and expectation toward the fulfillment of God's story. It is a celebrated reminder to us that not only has God come, but it is, the, it is a celebrated reminder to us of a, an amazing second advent of our King Jesus. It is a celebrated reminder that not only has the King come, but that the King is coming again. We don't just celebrate the past of what God has done, and we don't just take pleasure in the presence of what God is doing now. But brothers and sisters, our faith and our, and our joy and our courage and our strength and our peace is multiplied when we look and when we know that Christ is coming again. As surely as Jesus came the first time, fulfilling ancient prophecy, you need to know today and know now that Christ is coming again to make all things new. He is coming again to make all things right and all things whole. There is a plan that is being played out before us. And the really cool thing about that is that God invites us to be part of executing the fulfillment of his peace plan. That's why we're here. We are invited to be a part and to take part in the fulfillment of God's peace plan for the world. His finite and his finished peace. This is what Jesus brings. Peace with God. Peace within ourselves, the removal of guilt, the removal of shame, constant worry, introspection. He's come to bring peace. As I wrap this up this morning, there is a problem that is here. 
And that is, I know that in a church like this, many of us know that Jesus' death is the payment for our sins. We know that Jesus is coming as he was born in a manger. We know that he came to live a perfect and sinless life for for the payment of our sins. And we know that by placing our trust in his work and not our own works, in his goodness, not in our own goodness, of which we have none. We know, that our, we know that by doing this, our sins are forgiven. But yet, the problem is that so many of us still live in ongoing stress and worry and a lack of peace. For some of us, the reason is that while we have placed our faith and trust in Jesus' death for the forgiveness of our sins, we have yet to fully embrace his death and resurrection life for our life. We've yet to make the decision, and maybe it's a decision that needs to be made renewed this morning, that I don't live for myself. I don't live for me. I don't live for my own personal goals or glory or fame. I don't live for my own personal pleasures. My life was bought with a price. My life is hidden in Christ, the one who came to bring peace. I I die to try to being good enough. I I die to trying to measure up. I, I die to trying to please others. I die to trying to feel like I've, I've done enough for other people's approval. I die to that and I simply say, I am, I am all for Jesus. This confidence of Jesus' is coming should fortify our resolve to the purpose, to the Christian purpose of the church, to the missional purpose of each and every follower of Christ. This confidence of knowing in Advent that we celebrate not only his coming, but the fact that he's coming again in the fulfillment of God's peace plan, it should strengthen and it should fortify our resolve to the mission of God, to strengthen our commitment to not just receiving, but to giving. And not just to giving gifts, but to giving our lives. Not just to giving something special around the Christmas tree on Christmas morning, but to giving our talent and giving our abilities and to giving everything within us to the purpose of God. It emboldens us to be passionate about being a part of God's story and God's mission in this city, in this state, and in this world. So my encouragement in terms of application this morning is this. As you think about the way Simeon, when he saw Jesus, he embraced worship. This is God. This is what God has done. This is what God is doing. We embrace worship. Second, we embrace salvation. We embrace our new life with Christ. It is no longer I that lives, but Christ, the Savior that lives within me. I embrace my new identity in Christ. And then thirdly, I embrace mission. I threw uh, my, my friend back there, at the, back there in the back a real curveball right in the middle of worship. I asked her if she could put this picture up on the screen. <laughs> You're thinking, Darren, who in the world is that and where in the world are you? Well, that's what I was saying about a week and a half ago. A week and a half ago, I was in uh, the United Arab Emirates in, a, in the city of Abu Dhabi. 
I was uh, invited a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, to be a part of this thing called the Global Peace Forum. And it's a multi-faith effort of Jews and Muslims and Christians um, living in peace. And it's particularly important in that part of the world as there are many, uh, a lot of peace-loving Muslims that are wanting to stand for the religious rights of minorities in their countries, and particularly um, Christians and Jews. And so uh, we were there in Abu Dhabi for about a, a week in these meetings. But I wanted to show you this picture because the, man, the men in the middle, they are, they are these Islamic scholars in that part of the world. They're these young and upcoming leaders. But the man on the left is a man named Ray Corpus. And Ray is your brother in Christ and an incredible man. Um, he planted this church in Abu Dhabi eight years ago with 65 people. And today it averages about 1,400 people. They meet in a hotel in Abu Dhabi. And as I got to spend some time with Ray over those, those days, I was so amazed hearing the stories of what discipleship and evangelism looks like in Abu Dhabi. I mean, the Spirit of God, the Spirit was just kind of flowing out of this man as he was telling me story after story about how persons there, many of them immigrant workers or expats working in Abu Dhabi, about them coming to faith in Christ. And he was just telling me, Darren, God's doing it. God's, God's doing it. God's building his church. And I asked, I asked Ray this question, Lane. I said, because, you know, we, we hear stories about this, you know, in that part of the world. I said, Ray, you know, with, with the Muslims in particular, they're, um, what about dreams and visions? And he said, he said, Darren, he said, I don't know of a Muslim that's come to faith in Christ in our church there in Abu Dhabi who at some point has not had a dream or vision of Jesus. The peacemaker, the promise keeper, the rescuer is revealing himself to people. We may be in the latter stages of time. I, don't, I have no idea. But what I do know is that God's peace plan is being carried out. And what I also know is you don't want to be sitting on the sidelines. You don't want to be just kind of picking apart what other people are doing as they're trying to be a part of the fulfillment of God's plan for peace in the world. You want to embrace worship. You want to embrace your new life in Christ. And you want to embrace the mission of God, that he has come to be a light to the Gentiles. He's come for all people because everybody needs Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads.